The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, and we have Dr. Kathy Greenberg as uh, our co-host for today's show. And between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. We're very, very happy. In today, our show features Noel Tishy, named one of the top 100 management gurus in the world by Business Week. He is a professor, author, speaker, and world-recognized expert on leadership behavior. Today, Dr. Tishy will discuss his newest book, Judgment, Learn How Winning Leaders Make Great Calls. And he is a co-author with Dr. Warren Bennis on that. And Kathy and I always want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. Kathy, welcome to the call. Thank you. And we are always delighted uh, to touch our listening audience with great people. And today we have one of the top ten management gurus in the world, and that was named by Business Week, Dr. Noel Tishy. And we know that leaders are the heartbeat of any organization, and as you well know, most leaders really do underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and thus they and their teams can sometimes underperform. But doing just a few things differently can improve your performance and your organization. As you know, Relly and I love to bring you information on how to develop leaders, but also what happy companies know. What do you need to know about emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies? We always like to throw in a little information about brain and neuroscience, something about generation and gender differences, work-life balance, strategies for managing your boss, and self-management tools to be your best. We love to bring you all the information we can in these shows. And, Raleigh, why don't you talk about some of the fact-based information we like sure. to share? Well, thanks, Kathy, and I'll do that before we bring on Dr. Tishy. Um, why do we talk about leaders so much? Well, leaders have anywhere from 50 to 70% influence over the climate of the team. And that's huge if you're a leader listening to this, that you are the emotional thermostat for your team. And the reason is emotions are contagious. And one of the keys to being a star performer, being in the top 10%, we know, are some of the emotional intelligence, positive psychology competencies. And as a leader moves up in the corporate ladder, they need even more of those skills. So anywhere from uh, 80 to 85% of someone's success resides in emotional intelligence, positive psychology type of skills. And if you can get a leader in the top 10%, and that's why a lot of this leadership development news is focusing on tips for you, if you can get someone in the top 10%, it's been noted that uh, that person will be twice as productive in revenue and other key aspects in the organization as 
in the managers in the 11th through the 89th percentile. So trying to get someone in the top 10% has a huge, huge payoff. And we also know that if you can bring coaching into your organization, both Kathy and I are certified coaches, training alone is very helpful, about a 22% uh, boost in productivity. But if you add ongoing coaching, you can get a, a boost in productivity about 88%. And let me say, if you're interested in more information from Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership.com. She has happiness books, tools, uh, speaking keynote topics, leadership and coaching services. And if you're more interested in me, Dr. Rowan Adler, my website is www.truenorthleadership for emotional intelligence tools, books, speaking keynotes, leadership and coaching boot camps. And Kathy, do you want to bring on our, our our guest today? Oh, it would be my honor. You know, we are so thrilled today to have uh, Noel Tishy with us. He is just a legend in leadership. Um, I have had the pleasure of, of knowing uh, Noel for, geez, almost a decade, and he has certainly been one of my mentors, advisors, and uh, I like to call a friend. His new book with Warren Bennis, Judgment, Learning How Winning Leaders Make Great Calls will be the subject of today's discussion. But Noel Tishy, as you may know, is one of the greatest names in leadership today. His most recent book, as I said, has been uh, just winning awards all over and, and just named great books by many, many companies. I know that um, he uh, is very excited about his brand-new program with Business Week called Judgment Calls, and I'm sure he'll talk about that today, which is launching, I guess, in a week or so, and it'll be a regular um, uh, byline in uh, uh, both Business Week magazine and uh, in their online programs. He is the senior partner in Action Learning Associates with clients including, gosh, Fortune 500 names like Best Buy, GE, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, GM, Nokia, Nomura Securities, 3M, you know, Daimler-Benz, Dutch Royal Shell. I could go on and on. Uh, he and Warren have been commenting recently on the presidential elections, and we'll hear more. And welcome to the show, Noel. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm delighted to be with you and, uh, and your listeners. Uh, I look forward to this. Well, thank you, Noel. We're, we have a series of questions that we want to pick your brain about. And so one that we always like to start off with is tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe who's influenced your thinking and career the most as a leader. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go all the way back to uh, getting interested in this whole field, uh, and I ended up uh, learning as an undergraduate at Colgate University about organization development. And all of a sudden, my psychology major had some relevance to the real world, mm. organization development and things. And this was in the 1960s. And I, as a result, went off to Columbia University to the Ph.D. program in social psychology because mm. they were working with uh, Morton Deutsch on conflict resolution, focusing on uh, both the Cold War and civil rights issues. And Matt Miles, as part of that faculty, was doing work with Bankers Trust and Union Carbide and other companies on organization development. So I saw a, a relevant link to the behavioral sciences and making the world better and ended up teaching at Columbia Graduate School Business from 72 to 81 and then moved to the University of Michigan in 81. And probably the biggest shaping thing for me in the 70s 
being kind of anti-war and civil rights oriented was selling out to the business school. I had to figure out how I pulled that off. So I ended up running the MBA, MPH program, MBA, MSW programs at Columbia. Got very involved in the South Bronx of New York with the Martin Luther King Health Center. In fact, it was the first book I wrote was on a neighborhood health center, which was a phenomenal example of community development. And then I actually left Columbia and ran the Hazard Family Health Service in Hazard, Kentucky, see if we could do a rural version of, uh, you know, impacting health care status and training members of the community to be health care providers. It's been a year there uh, in a very tough environment because the Appalachian Regional Hospital System that we owned went bankrupt that year, and it was basically how do we keep the clinic alive, and I learned an awful lot about myself and leadership and values. And then the other big shaping event after I went to the University of Michigan was Jack Welch asked me to leave, uh, who was CEO of GE at the time, leave in the mid-'80s to go to General Electric and run their fabled Crotonville, their Leadership Development Institute, Mm -hmm. and and revamp it from a management development center to a leadership center where we threw out every Harvard case we could get and said, if you're going to learn, you're going to learn by doing real things. So we put an action learning platform in that resulted in senior leadership four-week programs, including sending executives off to Southeast Asia for two and a half weeks to find acquisitions, joint ventures, as opposed to sitting in Austin in New York reading cases. And so, you know, I, I would say throughout my career has been moving in and out of the academic world, running a health clinic, you know, running GE's Crotonville, trying to help organizations develop leadership at all level. And kind of bottom line, I've ended up with a very simple philosophy of leadership development. The worst leaders in the world, the worst people in the world to develop leaders are professors and consultants. (laughs) It is the job of leaders at all levels to be teachers. And this goes all the way down to the kids in the store at Best Buy where we had kids teaching each other uh, how to be more customer-centric, how to do a daily profit and loss statement, how to do customer segmentation, to CEOs. And if you buy the notion that leaders have to be teachers, they need what I call a teachable point of view. For the organization to succeed, what are the ideas or strategy, what product services, distribution channels, customer segments, what are the values that we need, how do we behave, and how do we emotionally energize people? And and that was the platform I had before Warren Bennis and I got together and said, well, what do you have a teachable point of view for? Well, you have it to make better judgments. And we started looking at Warren, by the way. This is probably his 35th book, and it's my 12th. And I said, you know, no one's written anything useful about how real live leaders make judgment calls. We, we write all these prescriptive articles and publish them in Harvard Business Review, and they have nothing to do with the reality of what we've seen in leadership. So we said we're going to spend several years digging in and clinically talking to leaders. How do they make big judgments in three areas? People, strategy, and crisis. People is who's on your team, off your team. Strategy is what mountain do we climb. And crisis is what's going on on Wall Street right now. And those are the three areas. So I'd be delighted to talk more about what we've learned in judgment, but the bottom line is every one of your listeners, hopefully, thinks of themselves as a leader. And if they do, I challenge them to take on the mantle of being a teacher and develop the next generation of leaders. 
Well, no, you know, as you're speaking, I can't help but think that um, the whole idea of judgment um, and teachable point of view uh, is certainly uh, a crucible uh, for many leaders, and I know you and Warren often use that word, crucible. Maybe um, as uh, we talk a little bit about judgment and how individuals actually get to be individuals who make good judgment, you can talk a little bit about uh, what crucibles are. Well, crucibles are those critical and printable moments uh, where, you know, where you really are tested as a leader. And uh, it's at that it's at that moment we really find out whether you have the right ideas, the right values, and you can emotionally energize people uh, around you. It is, it is the where you get imprinted as a leader, and uh, you know throughout in the judgment book, we actually uh, talk about a bunch of failed leaders, including some of our own failures. Uh, in critical times and what we learn from them. Uh, the, uh, you know, Warren Bennis, uh, failed in some of his leadership as president of the University of Cincinnati. And we look back and we say, you know, what did we miss? Uh, I, as a leadership example at the University of Michigan, had one of my colleagues who I'd worked with for 20 years, uh, let me down, uh, through a bunch of, uh, lies that I didn't see and a, program where if I had gone back and connected the dots, I would have seen it, but I almost had to lay off my whole staff. And the more we looked at, at leaders, uh, Jack Nasser got fired at Ford in the middle of the Firestone uh, uh, tire crisis, and I was there with him and got fired with him. What did we miss? Hmm. And, and one of the things in a crisis situation, if you don't have trusted uh, aligned people, so people comes first. Uh, and secondly, you then need a strategy so you're not just flailing. Without people and strategy, you get into a crisis and you'll end up like Stan O'Neill at Merrill Lynch getting fired because he did not have aligned teams either on the board or below him, so he makes a mistake, he's out. Um, Carly Fiorina got fired at HP uh, as the stock continued to move into a crisis and she hadn't aligned her team so we, we ended up with people strategy crisis in that order well you know what i think there's a little bit of music in the background letting us know it's time to go to a break we have noel tishy you're listening to leadership development news and we'll be right back the bottom line in business voice america business Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and 
influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business form. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and H2C to your team, visit her blog at kathygreenberg.com. That's Kathy with a C, Greenberg.com. And click on the H2C link. This is Ed Hanway, CEO of Cigna Corporation. Join us in celebrating all babies, those born healthy, and those who need help to survive. Go to MarchOfDimes.com and tell your special baby's story. Read other stories, too. And while you're there, learn how you can help the March of Dimes fight premature birth and give babies a healthy start. What a wonderful way to celebrate babies. Marchofdimes.com The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking today with Dr. Noel Tishy. His new book, Judgment, Learn How Winning Leaders Make Great Calls. And before the break, Noel, you were talking about um, judgment. We want to ask you kind of about the phases and you know, how that actually has laid out the foundation. And then the other question is maybe as you lead in, just in general for leaders on the, on the call, you said leaders should be teachers. And then is, is there a kind of a percentage, you know, rule of thumb that they should actually be out teaching because, like you said, many times they're leaving it to others to do? Yeah, uh, thank you. The, let, me, let me just frame the way uh, Warren and I ended up thinking about judgment after we, uh, by, the, by the way, the book was only two years late because the more we got into it, the more we realized it was new territory. So we uh, ended up framing judgment as a process. Uh, often people think of the uh, uh, bestseller Malcolm Gladwell book, Blink, 
as uh, an analog to how leaders make decisions. And as a social psychologist, I'll tell you that's a small slice of decision-making. You make blink decisions when you're a practice triage nurse or a fireman and you've done a lot of routine decisions and you can do it intuitively. When Jeff Immelt spent $10 billion to buy Amersham, that was not a blink. That was a part of a process. So what we did is we said, okay, there's preparation phase, there's a call, and there's an execution phase. And as a leader, you own that whole pipeline. Preparation is first sense and identify a need for a change and you might, or for a uh, judgment. And you might think that's a no-brainer. But we've got examples of seemingly very successful leaders just totally blowing it on that. Michael Dell did not sense and identify, and his CEO, Kevin Rollins, that HP was coming back. HP is now worth more than $120 billion in market cap. Last I looked, Dell is worth about $40 billion. That was reversed before Mark Hurd came into HP. So Michael Dell finally wakes up, fires Kevin Rollins, his CEO, as his answer, I guess, and uh, and I figured that out. His name's Dell, and the building's got Dell on it, so I guess <laughs> the other guy goes. But he still has not done the second part of the preparation phase. He's awake, and he knows he's got a problem. He has not properly framed and named the issue he has. So he knows he's got a strategic problem, and it isn't working, and the capital markets aren't rewarding him. So the second step in preparation is to frame and name the issue, then mobilize and align the key stakeholders, then you make the call, and then you go into execution. One quick example in the book is A.G. Lafley, CEO of Procter & Gamble, done a spectacular job since coming in as CEO. When he came in, the company was in a, they fired the previous CEO after 17 months, stock down 30%. You know, A.G. comes in, stock continues to go down. One of his biggest businesses, baby care, diapers is going south. He didn't have to sense and identify a need. It was bleeding. He framed it and named it as not, i got to hire some consultants and put committees together. No, I don't have a leader who can lead this business and turn it around, and I'm going to frame and name the kind of leader I need as someone who understands consumers and customers, not how to make cheaper diapers and run the machines better. He then made a mistake. He did not mobilize and align all of his key leaders and made a decision with one other guy that he was going to put Deb Henretta, 38-year-old female, non-engineer in charge of a $9 billion business, always run by engineers who were 45- or 50-year-old white males. He said by 3 in the afternoon, the revolution was on. Every vice chairman, every president in his office, what are you doing? You're going to destroy the company. And he said, you're right. I made a mistake. I didn't get your input. And he did what we then put in our framework, a redo loop. You make a mistake, you own up to it. He said, okay, guys, tomorrow morning in the conference room, all of you there, I want your candidates one at a time, total transparency in front of everybody. And he went one at a time. I hear you. Thank you. Good idea. And then at the end he said, here's why we're going to go ahead with Deb. And then he didn't walk away. He made the call. You're now CEO of that business. On the execution side, he stayed with her. Because if he had just said, okay, Deb, good luck, let me know when it's over, the good old boys probably would have killed her in about two weeks. He stayed with her as she removed just about all of her senior leaders. And at the end of when we interviewed him, he knocks on the table and says, thank God she made it. Imagine, woman 
from outer space, no engineering degree, 38 years old. She's now running Asia Pacific for P&G. But that's the judgment process. You own it from beginning to end. You can make some mistakes, build in redo loops, uh, and so judgment is a process. So uh, as you're speaking, though, all I hear you saying there's a sense and ID, uh, identify what's going on, and prep for... And a frame and name. Prep it, then frame and name it, and then call it what it is. Then mobilize and align, execute. And if you are not sure, if you've made a mistake, if you need to redo, it's okay. And a redo loop is a natural part of the judgment process. Absolutely. I mean, another fun example, David Novak, who runs Yum! Brands, uh, made a, a strategic decision a number of years ago to some of your listeners probably will drive by these regularly where he owns Taco Bell Pizza KFC where half the building is architecturally Taco Bell and the other half is Pizza Hut or you know and he's got in the same store two brands and he actually it's it's, it's funny he actually brands them on the street that way and the reason for that is that he gets more same store sales and we made the judgment call and then they couldn't make it work well the problem was that these had been independent brands, and a Pizza Hut never talked to anybody at Taco Bell or anybody at uh, uh, any of the other brands they own. Now you're putting them in the same restaurant with, you know, they've got to figure out how they're going to run the kitchen, how they're going to run suppliers. So we had to do a big redo loop and bring people on board so they could make it work. So it can happen any place along the way. And no, I want to just kind of clarify, uh, as Kathy was, just for our, our listeners. So I think the preparation makes sense, execution makes sense, and the call is, is actually the decision yep. that the leader makes, but it sounds like you're also saying uh, to make it uh, executed well, they need input from other folks, but it's their final call. And they need to stay with the execution phase. It, okay. Sometimes it goes on for years, and Warren and I, concluded that, look, a judgment is only good if it works out. It's not like we had a very successful operation and the patient died. No, no, no. It has to work. And that means you have to own it as a leader from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And some of these have very long tails on execution. Now, now, what have you learned about companies uh, in the process of not only doing uh, the, the um, if you will, calibration of this process and coming up with an actual step-by-step thought process, but researching judgment uh, in corporate, uh, you know, in corporate America and corporate environments. You talk a little bit about, uh, at the beginning, your work with GE. So maybe you can start there and tell us how you've learned so much about judgment and how you are uh, able to uh, use it in this action learning ref- reflection process and, and how you're actually able to transfer that and, and create a teachable moment on judgment. Yeah, the, I think the, the biggest aha for me in terms of really learning about leadership and the importance of leaders taking personal responsibility was, you know, when, I, when Jack Welch asked me to come to GE and revamp Crotonville. Crotonville was born in 1956, you know, the GE Leadership Institute, and it was uh, started with a 13-week advanced management program. So it had been around. It was the first. Then IBM copied it with Sands Point, and uh, Hitachi did, and other companies. But it, it, it was a place where we were teaching bureaucracy. You know, big, fat. 
You know what, Noah, it sounds like we're going to be going to a very quick break, so yep. hold that thought. We'll, we'll be right back with Noel Tishy and more on judgment with leadership development news. So come right back. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and H2C to your team, visit her blog at kathygreenberg.com. That's Kathy with a C, greenberg.com. And click on the H2C link. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Dr. Noel Tishy. And, no, right before the break, you were talking about how Crotonville started off their leadership development, had a 13-week program, others followed, and kind of leading into the, the foundation of uh, judgment in your new book. 
Yeah, the uh, so I, I, you know what I was giving a little background on the history of Crowdwell. It had been there. It's you know 250 bed facility, 50 acre campus on the Hudson River. Uh, we used to joke that there are three world class educational institutions lined up on the Hudson: West Point. GE's Crotonville and Sing Sing Prison. Uh, and, uh, but Welch said, I want a revolution and I want it to happen at Crotonville. I want this about leadership and change. So when I went there, I had, you know, 5,000 people a year coming to programs. And basically, uh, took the position that we can engage people solving real problems. We don't need to read Harvard cases written five years ago. We got problems inside GE all over the place. We want to learn about sourcing. Let's bring the guys down from Schenectady who are trying to decide whether to make or buy the next turbine. And because we're in-house, we could be totally uh, candid and work real issues. So the whole philosophy and what I've now built into everything I do with companies is we learn while we're doing and you wrap development around that so i believe you get one plus one equals four with action learning you get better leadership development because you're playing with real issues live bullets you get better project management because you're more disciplined the ceo's focused on it that's how i get ceos to spend time on the end of the day this is all about welch used to come to crotonville every other week jeff ml continues to do that Hmm. Um, if I took his calendar, uh, the CEO of GE, for example, or AG Laffley, I'm talking about um, half their time on people issues. And people say, well, how, do you, how can you do that? Well, you can do it because it's driving shareholder value. You can do it because you're not reading cases. You're solving real GE problems. Roger Enrico set a new standard when he ran Pepsi. I helped him design a program where he'd take 10 vice presidents at a time off to his ranch, Eight in the morning to eleven at night, there was one teacher for the whole week. Roger and Rico, strategy, finance, three sixty feedback, real project. He send you back to Frito Lay or Pepsi with a sixty day growth project, and then he'd bring you back for three day follow up. He ran as vice chairman in eighteen months. He ran ten of those programs, and then he used to run them twice a year as CEO. And when we went back and did a, uh, how did you justify all this time, Roger? He said, "You got to be kidding me." I got $2 billion of new business ideas from running the program. He said, imagine, you know, sitting in the corner office in Purchase, New York, where Pepsi's headquarters is, which, by the way, you can look out the window and see Picasso's and Moreau's in the garden, uh, versus I'm there, rolled up my sleeves at my ranch working your issue, as opposed to you in the corner office doing a PowerPoint presentation and getting on a plane and going back to Dallas at Frito-Lay. He said the projects paid for it. But he also said, I learned more about the people. I lived with them. I know them. That's how Indra, the current CEO of Pepsi, was found. To this day, Indra will tell the story of going out horseback riding in Montana, having never ridden a horse, barely could walk afterward. And she's a very accomplished guitar player. Around the campfire, who's leading the singing? Indra that night. And it's that kind of informality and intimacy, and it's teaching in a what I call a virtuous teaching cycle, not let me tell you kids about how to lead. No, I'm here, Roger and Rico, to create an environment where I teach and learn from you simultaneously.
No, we had uh, a friend of yours uh, from the University of Michigan, Kim Cameron, on a couple of weeks ago, uh, and he used the word as well, virtuousness. You know, Raleigh and I often talk to our audiences about the importance of emotional intelligence, which you just tapped into, mm-hmm. and the idea that there is a a very important element of positive psychology to leaders who demonstrate optimism and this kind of contagious and virtuous leadership. Can you talk a little bit about whether you think most leaders really understand the relationship between positive attitude judgment and mm-hmm. related success behaviors and profitability? Well, I, you know, I, I like to contrast a vicious teaching cycle versus a virtuous teaching cycle. <laughs> and the vicious teaching cycle is one that we're all too familiar with. I have the answers, I will tell you. And we can all think of the worst teachers or worst leaders we've had in our lives. And 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 I don't think with malice most business leaders try and be vicious teaching cycles, but it's what ends up. They Okay, I gave the guys the pitch. You know, gave them the PowerPoint pitch and the idiots didn't get it. Well, the minute I turn you into a teacher, then who's the idiot? If I'm a, I run a tennis camp and you pay me a lot of money to learn tennis, at the end of the week you can't play, then I'm accountable. So the minute I turn leaders into teachers, I say, wait a minute, you have a responsibility to teach those people, and it's not one-way teaching. A virtuous teaching cycle is what, what Roger and Rico created. Yes, he had to do homework. He had to have a teachable point of view. He didn't go show up and hang out. But he then had to lower the hierarchy, uh, give people voice, and he learned as much from the people during that week as they learned from him. That's what a virtuous teaching cycle is, and you can create that at all levels. We started at Best Buy with Brad Anderson, CEO, and we were out in the stores with kids making 10 bucks an hour having them teach the store manager what they learned the day before about the customer, about the customer segments, which end caps work, which didn't. We'd have morning chalk talks, which were run as virtuous teaching cycles. That's what's fascinating, and I, and I love the uh, experiential nature and getting people involved, and I think that involvement equals commitment, you know, versus people just complying with what maybe a, uh, a teacher says, but once they're involved, they're really committed to it. So maybe what we could do is move to some of the judgment you said uh, in the Wall Street Journal. You looked at some of the, what's going on at Wall Street, but also some of our key leaders. And that may be very fascinating just around and when you unpack judgment, let's say, for some of our key leaders. you know, How do you go about that? Is, is there a scorecard? And, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, we did a uh, editorial in November in the Wall Street Journal on the presidential uh, election saying, look, at the end of the day, what we're deciding as voters is on the leader's judgment. And the same three categories work when you look at a president. What are the judgments they're going to make about people? Who's going to be in their cabinet, off their cabinet? Who are they going to, what appointees are they going to make? Secondly, uh, the president is going to have to make a series of major strategic judgments, you know, geopolitical, military, economic, social, you know, if you look at the portfolio of things they influence, the ability for making good strategic judgments is critical. And the final category is is almost a no-brainer if you think back over the last few years with 9-11 and Iraq and the current financial crisis, you are calling upon the president to make judgments in a time of crisis. Well, the same framework uh, works for 
the presidential uh, decision. How good is the teachable point of view, in my terminology, of the candidate? And the ideas part is their kind of framing of the world, the world economy, the U.S., U.S. economy, the U.S. social system. Uh, how, what are their values? When they have to make a judgment, it's going to be their intellectual view coupled with their value system. And then the third element is how, what are their means for emotionally energizing people? You think back, some presidents been spectacular at being able to emotionally energize key stakeholders in the population. Others haven't. So we, we uh, Warren and I argue that the most important thing we are doing as voters is basically deciding on who in today's very scary world is going to make the best leadership judgments, people, strategy, and crisis. Now, in the, uh, the key kind of framework that you just shared with us, uh, you have been kind of developing uh, this, this framework, this, this idea that people have to be emotionally engaging, that people have to recognize how they make judgment calls relative to their values. Can you, can you, can you kind of talk a little bit about your work to date, um, given the success of your many books and the programs you offer through the University of Michigan, and how you've taken this work outside of what we would typically see as an academic community through action, reflection, learning into the, you know, into the greater good uh, of communities. Well, uh, yeah, one of the exciting things is working across boundaries, and one of, probably one of the most important things that uh, I've integrated into my work is what I call global citizenship. Uh, working on both environmental, land, water, air, biodiversity, and human capital issues, housing, education, health care, and jobs. And I don't work with any clients worldwide that don't integrate community service citizenship into the development of leaders. And I've taken this position since 1990 where if you're going to be a leader in the 21st century, I want to know your teachable point of view on environmental human capital issues and what you're going to do about it. And so, for example, right now we're working with Grupo Salinas in Mexico, which has 40,000 employees and owns electrostores, banks, TV Azteca, use of cell, cellular phone business. And we started with Ricardo Salinas and the top team and developed their teachable point of view. And then we took the top close to 1,000 leaders who are three-day, develop your teachable point of view for your organization, and then you're going to go out with, with our guidance. We give them a teaching booklet and some videos of Ricardo and so forth and are very clear, here's how you run your workshop. They have to run a full three-day workshop with no consultants, no professors, half a day of which is community service and how that ties into the long-term success of Grupo Salinas. So we've got 40,000 people in Mexico who have been into hospitals, schools, uh, homeless shelters. And one day is obviously a drop in the bucket. But what tends to happen, and we've done this all over the world, is that a large percentage of those people stay involved with the community agency they started with. It opens up new doors. We had one with Royal Bank of Scotland in uh, Scotland last year where a team worked in a uh, children's home, and they are still working with them. 
Well, it's so nice to hear that um, what I've learned from you and what happy companies know is really true, and that is having engaged community partners are so important and leaders lead that way. So we'll talk more with Noel Tishy on judgment when we come back with Leadership Development News. Line in business. Voice America business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 what can you tell me about skills usa Skills USA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and H2C to your team, visit her blog at kathygreenberg.com. That's Kathy with a C, greenberg.com. And click on the H2C link. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're 
are listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Our last segment, we're talking with Dr. Noel Tishy. And if Noel, uh, we want to talk about developing leaders, but we also want to see if you look at experience versus judgment. Is, is there one over the other as, as today we're looking at candidates and just evaluating uh, personnel for leadership? Look, I think with, with experience, uh, you can either develop good judgment or bad judgment. Um, there are people who have made the same mistakes for 40 years and experience doesn't tend to be a teacher. At the end of the day, on the other hand, if they do learn from experience, it obviously adds to their judgment. But at the end of the day, what you're really trying to assess is how good is the person's judgment going to be, and do they have the necessary, what I would call teachable point of view, intellectual understanding of the issues, do they have a grounded set of values, and do they understand how you emotionally energize you know, if you're think of a presidential candidate, millions of people in in the country and stakeholders around the world. And so the focus, I think, needs to be on do they have the capacity for making good judgments. And uh, one of the things I, I want to make sure our listeners really hear from you before we say um, goodbye today, and we have a few more minutes. So I want to I want to know what is it you want to share with other leaders about the importance of judgment calls and leadership traits for today's challenging environment. Let me tell you, use as an example what we did when I did the uh, book tour. Uh, I, you know, I I did this in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, Dallas, Miami, uh, and people came to hear about judgment. And we used to have like 150 executives would show up, and I had ahead of time brought in about 20 the 25 high school boys and girls club kids. And when we did this in New York, these were inner city kids from Harlem and the Bronx, and I brought them in early because the boys and girls club does a wonderful job trying to get people into college, into mainstream life. And I said, you know, what's important for a kid is making good judgments. People, strategy, and crisis. People is who do I hang out with? You know, strategy is which classes do I take? Do I want to be work with a rap band, and or do I want to go to John Jay College? Crisis is what every other day for a teenager. So we get the kids warmed up. I bring the executives in, and we kind of ambush the executives. Do you think you're going to have some author stand up here and blah 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 about their book? Here's the framework. We've got some young people, one at each table, who would like some coaching from you, the adults, about how to make better judgments. And we actually ran a little workshop. And the kids very, you know, openly talked about, you know, I, I'm thinking I, I'm out of move to another school. There are too many drug dealers. Uh, I think I'd be better off on, on having more different people around me. Uh, then they get into strategy, and they're talking about, you know, college and, you know, do I go, do I get a job? And, and it was a phenomenal example of some adults who, first of all, were just scared out of their minds, and then by the end they're all hugging each other, working on the next generation of helping young people 
make better judgments. People, strategy, crisis. So I think at any level, any organization, what you're trying to do is help people. And so what we're going into companies now and helping them rethink their succession planning discussions. And surprisingly, they don't talk about judgment, including the, the really good ones like GE's or Pepsi system are saying, hey, rethink that. Let's look back on what judgments did Noel make last year in the people area. And were they good, were they bad, and what can we learn? What about the strategy? What about that crisis he had in that manufacturing plant? And then you can ask the second question, what's Noel doing to develop judgment in the people underneath him? And you get a very much more robust view, I believe, of the individual and what you're trying to create because the only way you develop judgment is by exercising it, giving people the opportunity, and then learning from it, and you're going to make some mistakes. And you have a program that you run um, pretty regularly at University of Michigan that helps people learn how to do this? Yeah, I have a three-day judgment program at the University of Michigan, and it basically takes a very exciting spectrum of people. I give free uh, scholarships to Navy SEALs officers. We've got people from Boys and Girls Club, executives from pharmaceutical, financial services, about 30 executives and leaders at a time. And we work through, in a workshop setting, their teachable point of view and how that's going to be the underlying framework for making good judgment calls. And uh, that's run three times a year, and uh, it's on my website, noeltishy.com. So let's repeat that so people know that, noeltishy, T-I-C-H-Y, dot com. And that's where they can find out about when the next one of those are coming up. Exactly. And love to have people join us. Now, when you put these programs together, Noel, do you get volunteers from the business industry to come and play their roles? Well, we we have teaching in it uh, executives. We used to have the retired four-star general who built the modern uh, uh, special operations forces. Who unfortunately passed away last year, Wayne Downing. Uh, but they they teach each other. It's a virtuous teaching cycle. So it's it's very much a workshop that people are helping each other through our methodology develop their teachable point of view, develop you know the procedures and practices are going to put in place to make better judgments. Well, just uh, hearing all the things that you're doing to help inspire better judgment calls across politics, industry, community leaders, uh, I I can't help but think that uh, you create wonderful global citizens wherever you go. Well, thank you. The most interesting project that I was on the last five years was developed with a Principal's Academy in New York City. The last chapter of the judgment book is the work with Joel Klein and Mayor Bloomberg to develop principles, 1,400 of them, hopefully with better judgment because the same thing holds for a principal. The people judgments they make, the strategy judgments for their school, and if you ever hang out with an inner city principal in New York, you know you got a crisis every hour or so. And uh, it was very rewarding to work with uh, the school principals in New York, and we're doing this in other parts of the country. Well, this is great to hear. I think uh, uh, having a family, and I think like many folks uh, on the line also having a family, applying this to your kids and really helping them think about their friends, think about the strategy and what kind of decisions do they make in in crisis and, and using those teachable moments. 
Well, it, uh, it, what's been fun is, is to have a, a way to frame it, and then it's, it was really fun to watch these high school kids grab onto it and really start to think about, you know, the preparation, how they frame issues in their lives, you know, who do they mobilize and align around those? Who do they talk to? They talk to the any of the teachers, any people in a in a college, uh, and then you know, how do they make the decision, the call, and then how do they execute it? And so it's a it's been a very kind of robust way to get people engaged in making themselves at whatever level they are better leaders better capable of making good judgments. Well, I just want to say the book, again, for our listening audience, it's called Judgment. Learn How Winning Leaders Make Great Calls by Noel Tishy and Warren Bennis. You can reach Noel at noeltishy.com. Uh, as you've heard, he has ongoing programs at the University of Michigan where you can find him. And I want to make sure that if you, you've got any speaking engagements or uh, any kind of programs coming up that our audience uh, might be able to to tap into, uh, Noel, do you have any um, anything you'd like to let them know that you're doing that they might be interested in? I, I think the uh, the uh, the uh, the one thing I'm launching is a new, as you mentioned at the beginning of the program, a new monthly series in Business Week called Judgment Matters, and I profile a different leader. Uh, each time, and it both ends up in the magazine and on the web, and it starts in a couple of weeks with Marilyn Carlson, who took over for her dad as founder of Carlson, which owns TGI Fridays and Radisson and uh, Regent Hotels, and that's 160,000 employees. And her judgment was how she took Carlson from one or two women in senior management to 50% of the senior leaders are females, and that judgment took a lot of years to execute, but it's uh, by far the highest percentage women in a company of that size. Well, we'll keep our eyes and uh, ears open for that. I hope our listeners will also see that in the business week coming up, see your column come up. Thank you very much, Noel. This has been enlightening, and I'm sure also for our listeners. Well, it was a delight for me. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Noel. Okay. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel. Today's business and financial news. Money, money. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. 